0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Celtic Preacher podcast 167. You know, when we're faced with suffering, it could be our own suffering, or it could be someone we care about, it's not that unusual for us to ask why. And when we have trouble in a relationship, or we have difficulty understanding why people do what they do... um, yeah, you know how that is, right? It could be a friend, it could be somebody in your family, it could be the way the countries run. You know, and you think, why do people do that? Or why would someone respond that way? You know, when we find ourselves in these kind of situations, we often mull over and ponder these challenges because we're looking for answers, aren't we? We're looking for a way forward. Well, today we have an account of Jesus healing a blind man, and it's really a narrative that's all about getting insight. It's all about seeing things clearly, or how you might want to say gaining wisdom, a better understanding. And it's, I think it's something that we, we want, and we seem to need it on a daily basis, don't we? So that's what we're gonna be looking at today, this whole idea of insight, getting a fresh, new understanding. And we're looking at a healing that took place. It's called The Healing of the Blind Man, it's in John 9. And because we're looking in John's gospel, and gospel just means good news, it's the book, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, fourth book in the New Testament. Because it's John's gospel, we know that John writes in such a way that the account can be read on a literal level and a figurative level. It's just his writing style, just like we have writing styles. He writes very differently than Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Uh, I don't know if you remember two or three weeks ago, we looked at Nicodemus. And when we looked at Nicodemus, Jesus spoke to him and Nicodemus was hearing Jesus on a literal level. When Jesus says, you need to be born again, Nicodemus is completely confused. He said, well, how can that happen? I'm a grown person. Can't be born again. And of course, Jesus is talking about figuratively speaking. Same like last week, woman at the well. The woman did the same thing. Jesus said, if you knew who you were speaking to, you would ask for living water. And she's thinking, that'd be great. I won't have to come to this well anymore. Where can I get this living water? And of course, again, Jesus is talking about, figuratively, the spirit of God or the Holy Spirit, not water that we drink, right? So... Same with this idea, it was same with this narrative today, of the healing of the blind man. We're not just talking about physical blindness here. We're not just talking about sight. When we're talking about the blind seeing. We're also talking about a different kind of sight. We're talking about insight and understanding and seeing situations, ourselves, problems, and God, for that matter, that we may see God more clearly. I mean, that's one we always need help with, isn't it? So when, when you hear a story about a miracle of Jesus healing someone, it's not just something that happened thousands of years ago, and oh, that was nice for him. Really, the, the, the more important, well, of equal importance, is this idea of what it means for us today. So when we're looking at a story about the healing of, of, of the blind, we're sort of moving in the realms of that. Remember uh, the song Amazing Grace? I once was blind, but now I see. We're sort of moving in that direction. Remember John Newton, Amazing Grace? He, he's not speaking about having trouble with his eyes, right? When he speaks about, I once was blind, but now I see. What he's seeing it what he's saying is in the song is is that oh i'm 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 getting some i'm getting a lot of insight here i I think I see God in a new way, and that's changed my life interesting thing about Newton by the way, you know he's born in seventeen twenty five it's kind of fascinating that. He got this insight when he was about 23 years old uh, that the slave trade was wrong. Uh, However, here's what's fascinating. He carried on working as a slave trader for years and years and years and years. In fact, it took John Newton 34 years to retire from the slave trading business. And then he, you know, then he worked alongside William Wilberforce in Parliament to abolish the slave trade. But he's been criticized because of this long, long silence. I mean, getting this insight at 23, but not actually acting on it until 34 years later. It's like, how could it take him 30 plus years to move on something if you know something's wrong? and then you wait that length of time before you actually do something? Yeah, he's been criticized for that. But I was thinking, how common is this? I think it's really, really common. You know, sometimes we know that we need to change something in our lives. We know that we're thinking about a situation incorrectly or in an unhelpful way. And yet, we carry on doing it. And it's, it can take decades before we actually change our behavior. So I don't think that John Newton was that, was that unusual. I think that there are certain times that it just takes a long, long, long time to change our behavior. It, we get so embedded in a particular way of living and thinking and doing uh, I just think it's hard to change. Anyway, back to the story of the blind man in, in, in John's Gospel. It's a long, long text, so not going to go into the whole thing, but the passage tells us that this man who was blind from birth is begging, as was his everyday practice. And the disciples ask a question that give us quite a bit of insight into wh- how they view suffering. And the disciples ask, what bad thing did this blind man do to deserve this? It's kind of the age-old question. They're saying, Jesus, he must have, he must have been really bad to, for this to happen to him, right? It's this age-old question of why do, why do people suffer? There's, there's got to be a cause. There's got to be a reason for this. Um, so Jesus, what did, he, what did he do? Did he do something or did his parents do something? Because something's wrong here. And of course, Jesus uh, said, well, <laughs> neither. It's, it's not about him and it's not about his parents. You're asking the wrong question. You're looking for someone to blame. Jesus replied, instead of looking for someone to blame, look instead for what God can do in this. Look instead what God can do in this. So it's like Jesus is saying, in other words, disciples, your way of thinking about life and suffering and God and trials and sickness, that's not helpful. How about making a shift in your thinking how about seeing brokenness and suffering as an opportunity to see God's power now they had that was a new thought to them completely and i think it's a a great reminder for us a great reminder for us so the story goes on that jesus meets this blind man he an unusual thing he spits on the ground he makes some mud and puts it on the man's eyes and asks him to go and wash in the pool of siloam and the blind man did as he was told and he receives his sight didn't really ask for healing by the way jesus just did this so there's no one formula for healing right some people ask some people don't some people have faith some people don't have faith Yeah, there's no formula. God doesn't do formulas. So the disciples, you know, they've learned quite a bit here. First of all, bad things don't happen because God's punishing you. Uh, People don't get sick because they've done something morally wrong. Uh, They've learned sickness isn't doled out as a divine punishment. And all of this would have been something that the disciples would would be talking about, you know, when they went home for dinner that night. That would be, this would be a big deal. It's like, you know, they're sitting around the table. Anything happened at work today with Jesus? They'll say, yeah, yeah. He healed someone and, you know, he, that guy never even asked for healing. He didn't even know who he was. He never even asked. He just went up, covered his eyes with some mud. It was Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And we asked why he was sick, and Jesus said, well, why don't you see this as an opportunity to see God at work, God's power, rather than see who's to blame? So just in like one paragraph, Jesus starts to question all these presuppositions that his disciples, and many people today still have this. Many, many people today still have this idea that bad things happen, because, you know, somebody's been bad in some way. Um, It's like a punishment. And Jesus is saying, "Mm, so unhelpful, so unhelpful. So Jesus is reframing suffering and unfairness and sickness and disappointment. Just in the first seven verses of this miracle, really, he's given most of us an entirely new way of thinking about life. Because he's saying, imagine if your so-called trials and frustrations and difficulties, imagine this, imagine if they could be vehicles that God uses to show us something about ourselves, something about life. Imagine that God could use these things to strengthen us in some way. Can you imagine that? Can you even let that in for a second? That God could use a failed marriage. That God could use an unfulfilled dream. That God could use a disappointment or a sickness or an addiction or a broken promise. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, could it, could it be that no experience need, is wasted with God? Is that that what redemption's all about, really? Yeah. Big theological word meaning maybe nothing is pointless and worthless with God. Maybe nothing is pointless. And could the cross, the death of Christ, be the ultimate example of God bringing good, out of suffering. Well, of course, at this point, the disciples can't even imagine that. But, but the healing of the blind man seems to hint at this kind of truth. You know, uh, the, the literal story is an account of this man who's healed. But underneath the subtext is, you know, the, I guess the subtext would be, well, look, Jesus is the light of the world. It's one of his names. I'm the light. Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus brings light to darkness, and there's a lot of darkness in the world, and there's a lot of darkness in ourselves. We don't always see ourselves very clearly, do we? We don't always understand ourselves. We can surprise ourselves with our own responses, can't we? Yeah think that's a common thing we can even surprise ourselves we can read things into situations that are not true Uh, we can assume things are not true about people and events very very easily the disciples classic example oh jesus look at this man who's blind he must have done something to deserve this no no jesus said Well, it must be his parents then. His parents must have done something wrong. No, no. No, no. You're assigning blame disciples. It's never helpful. It is never helpful to assign blame. And interesting, you know, if you go back to Genesis 1 and 2, the Adam and Eve story, it's all about assigning blame. Blame all about the the whole thing. It's all about blame. Not my fault, it's his fault. It's not my fault, it's the snake's fault, whatever. So blame, blame isn't helpful. But what helpful, this is what is helpful. A different, well, what we would call insight, a different way of looking at the situation, a turn. And in this particular narrative, the healed man gradually starts to gain insight and perspective on who Jesus is. At first, actually, the guy doesn't really know much at all. His neighbors say, how can you see again? And he says, I don't know this man, Jesus, put mud in my eyes and now I see. They didn't really know that much about Jesus. And then later on in the story, the religious leaders who dislike Jesus uh, ask him, who is this, this, this man who healed you? Who, how did it happen? Who is he? And the blind man says, "Well, I think he's a prophet. Yeah, he's a prophet." Still doesn't know that much about him. And then, and then, way at the end of the story, Jesus approaches him a second time, and it's at the end of the story that the man, the blind man, gets even more insight and calls him. Lord, which is a way of saying, um, I'm following. <laughs> you are who they say you are. You are the son of God. So he gets more and more and more insight. At first, he's just a regular healer, guy with some gifts and healing. And then maybe he's a prophet. Maybe he's a spokesperson for God. And then later on, it's like, no, no, he's even more than that. There's something, there's something, There's something special about this one, something different. So the the blind man, who can now see, of course, in the story, he gets more and more insight as time goes on. And the religious leaders, interestingly enough, they get more rigid in their thinking throughout the whole narrative. They're unable to bend. They're unable to change their mind. They're completely inflexible. You might know people like this. They are so rigid and inflexible in their thinking. They won't allow another thought to enter that might be different. They're usually fear-based people with a need to control. This is the way it has to be. The energy is usually fear-based because, you know, when when we're living out of that place of fear, we feel like we have to control everything, right, to feel safe. And so in the story, the religious leaders get more and more irate and more and more rigid and more and more hostile. They get angrier and darker, more frustrated as time goes on. Yeah, sort of the, the destination of the blame game. Get more frustrated, more angry, darker rather than light. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so it's... <laughs> yeah, the, the, the blame game. It's not always helpful, is it? It doesn't always lead to understanding. So, one of the things that the passage points out is is that rather than ask why, why this? Why does somebody do this? Or why does someone respond this way? Or why does this circumstance not change? Or uh, why do I have to go through this? Maybe a better question would be where's God in this? Where's God in this? Because, you see, getting our questions answered doesn't necessarily always help. Now, we think, it, we think we want to know why, but that doesn't necessarily always help. I think maybe a better approach is, okay, this is happening, so where's God in this? And, and even to be able to ask that question... Or, or rephrase that question takes a huge shift because all our defenses have to be lowered, don't they? It's like, God, would you have me change the way I'm thinking about this? Am I thinking about this situation in the right way? Right? Just because I'm thinking about something doesn't necessarily mean I'm on the right path, Right? Just because I've made my mind up doesn't mean to say it's right, does it? So it's like, God, am I seeing this in the in the right light? Remember, this is a passage about insight and seeing things clearly and understanding. So it's like, open my eyes and give me a glimpse of a better way. Help me to see things the way that you see things. There's, there's the prayer and the heart cry. Help me to understand and see things the way you see things. Give me new insight. Give me a new understanding and help me, help me to be open to that. Well, thank you for joining me. You've been listening to Celtic Preacher. Join with me again next week for another episode.